Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Welcome to the first edition of the Chris Johnston Show for the year of our Lord, 2022. CJ, I hope your New Year's were great and uh, safe, obviously. And uh, yeah, I hope your New Year was pretty great. It was great. Uh, It was very quiet. But yes, you know, I, I, I do. I must say I love the holidays, as we've talked about. I also love New Year's. Like there's something... There's something kind of renewing about flipping the page on one year and starting the next. And I think, you know, no matter where you're at in your life, like there's there's a natural process that goes on where you reflect on where you are and, and where you're going. And I just find that very kind of energizing. So, I, I you know, my New Year's have changed a lot over the years, put it that way. There was no hangover involved this year. There's no big party oh. or anything, although maybe in the times we're in, maybe that's normal for everybody. But um quiet night itself but like it's a nice time to reflect did, did you make a resolution or are you that kind of uh, guy i write down goals for the new year i don't necessarily make resolutions uh but i don't know i guess they could be conflated as the same thing i guess but um, right. um my basic stuff like i'd like to lose a little bit of weight and stuff and uh depending on how covid goes i would like this year to be the year i finally uh cover an nhl game in an arena that's not in Montreal. So uh let's let's see how it goes. I'm still optimistic that we're going to that we're going to get that. So uh, that's among the uh the long list of goals I have for 2022. I don't I, I mean that's how I see it. I don't see it as resolutions. I see them as goals. That's awesome you do that. You know, I I it's something I have am very big on. I actually haven't done mine yet. It's only January 3rd. Um but I do want to sit down and I think it's really helpful just a little hack for our listeners like I think it's amazing. There's something about the act of writing the goal down. Yeah. I I write it in a declarative way. Like I am going to do this uh, or like this will happen in my life, whatever it is. And there's just something about like, you almost feel silly doing it, but I'm telling you like write down the craziest thing in your mind you really want to do. Cause like, you know, without getting too personal on here, like I can go back and show you stuff like where there's one in particular, I think I did it at the end of 2015 or the start of 2016. Sure. And and like, I wrote down some things at that time would have seemed impossible and every single one of them happened. And, um, you know, there's just something powerful about that. And, and I think somehow it puts it in the universe. So if you're out here listening to our show for hockey, but you maybe 
are in a spot where you want to reflect on your life, I, I would encourage you very much to write down the goals and and just watch the magic happen afterwards. And also, don't worry about like, oh man, I got to make sure all my goals are realistic and whatever. No, like, right? I'm what telling you, you not to be realistic. Absolutely, that's it. I'm with you, man. Like, write whatever you feel, man. I was telling someone the other day about that, so I'm I'm totally with you on that. Like, I did like pay off my mortgage before 40, and that was at a time in my life that that seemed impossible, and it happened. And yeah. you know, stuff like that, like you know. Things like of that nature. At that time, actually, I wasn't running at all. I was probably 30 pounds heavier than I am talking to you today. And I wrote that I wanted to run a faster marathon than my my previous marathon. It took me until I did the COVID marathon in April, but I ran, you know, 12 or 13 minutes faster than my previous best marathon. And then, like, I wrote that as, like, a fat slob who wasn't running, basically. Um, and so, like, you know, not that that's any of that's so preposterous, but the point is, is like the day I wrote that down, I was nowhere near being able to do that. But like the act of writing it down, I think sets you down the path to do it. So that's that's nothing short of inspired. That's actually very inspired. I'm that's serious, awesome. though. Like it's it's real. And and I've told it's funny, like anyone that I get in this kind of conversation, like I'm I really believe in this. Like I'm telling you, just just do it right now. Like maybe you're at a tough point part in your life honestly because that stage in 2015 and 16 like the one i'm thinking of specifically i was in a really bad stage of my life my mom was sick with with ultimately what would kill her she had she had brain cancer you know i just i was in a really tough spot but like i wanted to imagine the good things that i was going to get to and, and honestly they all happened so um you know and they don't you have to put the work in afterwards I, but i just think that something about writing it down triggers something in you to actually go go fall through and, and chase your dreams if you uh, get a chance to write your goals, would you be comfortable on a future episode sharing some of them? Sure. Not all of them. No, you don't have to share all of them. I didn't share all of them. All of mine, I should say. But uh, if there are any like hockey business related goals, I'd love to hear at least one of them on a future episode. But we can get to that. Yeah, um, I, I'm yeah. very. Yeah, like I think that's part of it, too. Like I'm not scared to, to share. I mean, how silly do you really sound? So if you have a big dream, I mean, what's everyone should have a big dream no matter what they're doing. And obviously for us, you know, being a hockey journalist is a big part of our life. So I have tons of big professional dreams and, you know, a lot of great things happened for me in 2021 professionally. And I don't think those things happen if you don't really set your bar high and, and work, obviously work your ass off and go chase it. And with that, um, I should mention for anyone listening or watching the podcast, yes, I am sick. I've been sick for the last how many days. That's why I sound funny. That's why I'm swiping at my nose. It's, negative it's, tests, it's like, though. Negative rapid tests, though. Uh, and I, okay. have been, I have not been outside. Uh, I've been isolating basically either in my room or in the office. So uh, you're not going to catch me outside, especially as the curfew in, in Quebec is uh, back in effect. That being said, uh, considering the fact I was sick a few days ago, I feel a lot better than uh, I initially was, and a uh, bad segue in coming here. I still think I feel a little bit better than the Edmonton Oilers do, who have two wins in their last 10 games. And uh, I don't know if you noticed some of the discourse around the Oilers over the weekend, but I've noticed a couple people starting to... I'll tell you, the to... Ask CJ people notice. I got multiple, <laughs> multiple Edmonton Oilers coaching-related questions uh, over the weekend when I solicited those questions. Let's so. jump into it. Let's jump into it. So, like, just as, like, a one fell swoop for all those questions. Like, what have you heard about the Oilers with regards to any changes with coaching, management? Is Mike Babcock coming out of the rafters to coach the Edmonton Oilers? Because the more I think about it, and I know we had the episode where we discussed him, like, a couple, like, live in Adam's basement. Yeah. It may, 
it, I think it's going to happen. That's just my gut check at this point. I think Mike Babcock is going to come back and coach the Edmonton Oilers. Either this year, next year, whatever that contract expires, it's going to happen. Well, it's a huge card that Ken Holland can play, right? Yes. You know, I don't know. I have no specific knowledge that Mike Babcock would want to do that, but it do, it makes so much sense. I mean, if, if even you and I sitting... Uh, dreaming up scenarios can can conceive of it. I mean, obviously it's occurred to Ken Holland that the coach that's probably had the most success for him, I mean, maybe Scotty Bowman uh, prior to Mike in Detroit, you know, won, won an, an extra cup. But, um, you know, a coach that had a ton of success for him that's just sitting there, you know, he's working at the University of Saskatchewan, but presumably is rather available, gets a chance to coach two of the best individual offensive players in the league and a team that's underperforming. It makes sense. You know at this point in time, I don't actually think, though, that Dave Tippett's job's in serious, serious danger. You know, like they they, they play a game Monday night against the Rangers, uh, which you might have – that game might already be played when you're listening to this. But, you know, it's not like they need to win that game, I don't believe, to save his job. I mean, there's still six games above 500 entering that game. But things aren't going well, and Dave Tippett's in the final year of his contract. And even deeper than that, even if he had three years left on his contract, you know, this this season carries such huge implications for the Oilers. Like, they can't afford to mess around with even potentially missing the playoffs. And, and you know, I don't think they're going to because, you know, they've slipped down to a wild card position after winning two of ten. Um, you know, I, I do think this is probably just a bad run in their season. I, I don't suspect they're going to only win two of the next ten, no matter who's coaching the team. And so, I still see too good of a team, but, but they're still, you know, the problem is, and it, it – it might be personnel, Julian, honestly, because they score a ton, right? Best power play they in the do. league again, which has been a couple of years now running. And, and you know, they have the two top scorers in the league, but they do a lousy job of keeping the puck out of their net. And, you know, I put some of that on having a 30-year-old Mike Smith who's, again, injured, you know, basically hasn't been healthy enough to play all season. You know, Miko Koskinen sort of is what he is. He's had actually some really good runs. Um, but other times where it's not so good. And, you know, that's why I think getting a goaltender is more important than changing the coach right now myself. Uh, and so, but look, there's a, there's a huge amount of pressure. You know, I know that they've, they've gone through their meetings, like they're internally, the discussion isn't all that different than what's happening externally, just about like, what do we do? But I, I don't get the feeling that they're on the verge here of, of making that change. But like I say that on a Monday and if they lose the next three games, maybe that changes by next weekend. You know, like this is sports. This is what happens. Right. I mean, I get the feeling there's a lot of belief in Dave Tippett, frankly, but at a certain point, you know, you might have to pull that trigger. And so I, I don't think they're there today, but, you know. Mike Babcock doesn't have to say a word. Nobody has to ever comment on this. And it, it looms kind of as this idea, right? And look at the players are on the internet. The players have the same ideas you and I have. I mean, um, yeah, it could happen, but I, I, I still, I still think that they're going to try to pull out of this first. And, and honestly, I think the pressure shifts to the front office pretty quickly. I know we have seen basically no trade activity. Like I don't even mean no trades. I mean, like, the whole league is just trying to get through what's just happened, right? More than 150 players in COVID protocol since, you know, like the week before Christmas. And so, um, you know, I, I think that getting the goaltender might be the, the easiest move. 
Yeah, and I know we've thrown around names like Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other names who might work out. What about Carey Price? <laughs> You've seen that too, huh? I'm yeah. just kidding. Uh, yeah. I, I'll tell you. I'll I'll share this because I don't think I'm betraying his trust. But I, we got a little TSN insiders group chat, and Pierre LeBrun during Edmonton's last loss was like just like being a troll in the group chat, like not actually spreading what he thought was a real oh rumor. But God. but but you know, saying the Oilers need Carey Price, and so that was in my mind. So shout out Pierre. But it at least the way I read <laughs> those messages, I think he was being very tongue in cheek as opposed to saying that's something he was hearing was was going to happen. I feel like because because, you know, like even like an accidental tweet that you guys have to erase forever, like that's enough for people to just kind of hang on that and be like, well, what if they actually were looking at it? And some NHL team. I got to tell you, now that I'm in that group chat, you know, since late September when I signed my deal with TSN, like I wish the hardcore hockey fans could just like drop in and see that group chat. Like what's hilarious to me is Bob McKenzie still in it, even though Bob is very much enjoying semi or mostly retirement. Like Bob isn't Bob isn't phoning around to GMs trying to hunt up, you know, who's injured and what's going on. You know, like he he did that for so long. But like he'll just throw like Bobby Margarita stuff in there at times or <laughs> it's it's like it's a really entertaining place. Like if you were a hockey nerd, and I say that with love because that's what I am. Yes. It would be like your dream to get dropped in that group chat just to, just even for a couple hours when it when it's hopping. And it's kind of like my dream that I get to be in there. So Anyway, I'm not trying to rub it in, but honestly, I wish I could share more of that with you. But but clearly, the way that group chat works is if we mostly don't talk about it. I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I think a nice consolation prize is the SDPN group chat with like you, me, Jesse, Adam, and Steve. Like, I, I think that's pretty cool. There's some fun stuff that gets thrown out there. It's it not, is. It's the, been pretty quiet lately, actually. You know, if you like, quiet. Yeah, like, hope you have a Merry Christmas, guys, or Happy New Year. Like, it's been more... It's been less goofy lately, but I think it's hard to be in a goofy frame of mind right now, too, right? I mean, you're sick. Yeah. Everybody's sick. Everyone's, Everyone's sick and sick. tired of everything. Maybe we yeah. got Maybe I got to light it up with something. I got to find something funny to, to get the guys going. You should tell Steve, and I'll get back to the Oilers. I have one last question <laughs> on that in a second. I, I know some people get, they notice like, hey, you can't be going all over the place. But I think like the last time I wrote in the chat, I think I, I, I caught up on one of the best of episodes that the SDP had. And I listened to the clip where Steve bought a kayak and I wrote like, Steve, like, why did you buy a kayak? And he got really mad. (laughs) (laughs) What are you trying to do with this kayak, bro? Like you buy a whole kayak and you can't even bring it. You have to get a friend to bring it home. What are we going to do? Paddle on the road? Okay. All right. Um, so uh, here's a question I had about the Oilers. And again, sorry for going all over the place with this topic. I'll be more focused. I'm but, not sorry. Deal with it. That's fine. This is a free form oh. pod, people. <laughs> so the fact that there have been changes in other Canadian markets. So the Canadians, we know they went through the wholesale changes they did in the front office. Uh, the, uh, the Vancouver Canucks, obviously, they did what they did. Uh, do you think... Uh, the, it, the fact that other markets in Canada have done changes this year, does that also add to the pressure that the Edmonton Oilers might be feeling? Well, I think the Vancouver one's most relevant because Vancouver, like Edmonton, started the year with big expectations. Obviously, we're very vastly underperforming those expectations. Yes. Um, you know, it's funny, a stat I just uncovered uh, doing my inside the NHL column for the star. Uh, 
Bruce Boudreau had nine games, has earned 17 points as Canucks coach, and Travis Green had earned 18 points in 25 games prior to being fired. So, I mean, they've almost doubled their point total in a fraction of the games, a third of the games or a little bit more than that. Um, you know, which I, again, I've been clear on this. I think Travis Green is good is a good coach. I think he did a lot of great things in Vancouver, and I think he'll be a good coach. Like, I'm not... This is one of those instances where I actually don't think it was all coaching or anything. I just think something needed shaken up there. Like they they were just so much worse than the talent on their roster. Um, and obviously Bruce Boudreaux has got the magic touch now. So I, I think that one is more relevant in part because the turnaround has been dramatic. They're in the same division, right? Um, you know, not that we're at a point where maybe the Oilers are sweating the Canucks uh, position in the standings so much, but you know, they're, they're got, they've gotten right there. Um, yeah. So I, I think that one is, is most relevant. And, and honestly, you get to a certain point, like the, the Oilers had such a ridiculously good start. Like they're still above 500 after this run. Like that's the amazing thing. Like if they pull out of it now, I think the coaching talk will go away altogether because they're going to have a great record. It's just, they're, they're getting to the crisis point where something has to happen. And, you know, Unfortunately, for those that work in the coaching profession, the easiest thing sometimes is to fire the coach, uh, even at times when maybe isn't the, the, the right thing. It's just the easier thing or it's like it's the move that's in front of you. It's the card you have to play. So that's true. Um, I do think. Yeah, I do think that there is a little bit more heat because of what happened in Vancouver, that the Montreal situation is so unique. I mean, this whole Canadian season, like I don't even know what to call this. Like they, they go on that ridiculous cup run and then the summer, I mean, we don't have to review the events, but it's just, it's such a strange year. Like if Montreal just is like decent again, or even good next year, I, I won't even be that surprised. I, I almost feel like this is just such a strange uh, season. And like, they've had so many players injured and COVID obviously they've, they've been shut down here in the last few days. Of course. Um, yes. You know, just, it's a weird year in Montreal. I think <laughs> Vancouver's year is more normal and that team that was supposed to be good was really bad. They make a change. All of a sudden, they catch fire. You know, if you're in Edmonton, you might be wondering, hey, maybe, maybe Dave Tippett is a good coach, and and but we just need to switch that mix. And I know they've played that card a ton, right? There's been so many coaches in Edmonton. I think that's part of. Well, in fact, I know that's part of. They, they don't want to send that message even to the players. And every time we hit a tough patch here, we'll just throw a new coach into the into the water with you. So. Um, you know, I do think that, that, that you're, you're, you're caught, if you're making this decision, if you're Ken Hall and you're caught between those two feelings, right. You don't want to do anything. That's, I, I think it'd be the hard part about being a GM is having a feel for when to be patient and when to like be decisive and take, yeah. take a, a swift action. Cause in the moment, in, in hindsight, we write the story, right? In, in, in oh, hindsight, yeah. it's always clear. Like, Oh, what an idiot. He did that. Or, or what a stroke of genius. But in the moment, as we all know, living our lives and having to make big decisions or choices, it's not always entirely clear which, which, which hallway to walk down. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, 
By the way, uh, before I get to uh, the next topic I wanted to get to, you did mention the Canadians. I should mention for people who don't know, I think like they, I think TVA mentioned there were like eight different candidates for that job. I think Mark Denise on that list, who some people who listen to the TSN broadcast are like, why do they have the analyst there? But this is a guy who's been around the league for quite some time. Daniel Sauvageau is on that list. Uh, Daniel Briere is on that list as well. Matthew Darsh, we've mentioned before, on that list. Uh I, I know you any anything on that before we move on here, just because you mentioned well, it really quick. I think that they're at the outset of the process now, essentially. I mean, now now they've they've, you know, sought permission from those working in the league or for NHL teams like Briere, oh. Darsh, Luongo. Yes. Yeah, sorry. That's like the big. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot the big name in Roberto Luongo. Yes. And so now they start to have those conversations and narrow it. So, you know, I still think Matthew Darsh is a strong candidate, you know, which we've talked about extensively. We have um, just just given, you know, he's been riding shotgun with Julian Brisebois, you know, probably considered the best GM in the league right now. Uh, certainly a very smart guy who's had tons of success. So, uh, you know, I, I think that he he still would be maybe what we might call the favorite, but it's it's way too premature to really label it. I mean, he's a strong candidate and a lot of it will come down to how those interviews go, what's laid out in terms of a plan. You know, it's a really important process that, that probably those of us that don't get to be part of it overlook because we're all just racing to figure to figure out who the GM will be. But for an organization to get a chance to, to talk to eight people, say if it ends up being eight, uh, you get to hear eight people's visions on what you should do. And if you're not stealing some of those ideas, you're not trying. You're not doing it right. Like if you're Jeff Gordon, it's a really valuable exercise uh, even Jeff Molson, right, who's who's been in the trenches and and knows how they got to how they got to, like he's had behind the scenes view and all the decision making that's happened over a number of years. But you know, sometimes you need a fresh set of eyes or, or view on on your maybe the way forward. And and so this is actually like a really critical time for them, I think, to start building out a plan to brainstorm where to go, and then obviously the, the decision of who the GM will be. Uh, <laughs> is a big one for sort of obvious reasons. But I think I think this this period they're in is is actually very valuable and probably more valuable than anything they're learning watching the players at this point because again, bit of bit of a lost season on the ice, uh, to say the least. But let's remember the draft is in Montreal in July. Yep. They got some draft picks. Like all all the crap of this year will will be gone away by the time we get to Montreal for the draft in terms of that like the organization I think will be ready to turn a page maybe you'll have seen some trades by then you know the new GM presumably will be in his or her seat and you know and then you make those picks in your own building like that's that's the beauty of sports like as much as this is this season's being played under a massive cloud in Montreal the 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 clouds will part uh by on or about July 7th and 8th when when you know, the draft is, is there at the Bell Center. And hopefully the weather will be better by then. It's like minus 21 outside my window. Which My brother, actually, me believe, and you are going to be in person then. That, oh, I mean. Psh, it's going to be great. Dude, Montreal in the summertime. Dude. I mean, I, I love Montreal at any time, but I first started going a lot in the summer when I was younger, like 18, 19 with my friends. I, I mean, I went to Montreal a bunch. I mean, first of all, we started going there because you could drink a year younger. You couldn't Ontario. Yes. So that's like uh, full disclosure. I was there on my 18th birthday because you can go to a bar. And I, when I was 18, I looked like I was 12. So I wasn't I wasn't getting any bars in Ontario. I'll tell you that much. Do you remember um, what bar you went to in Montreal and you're on your 18th? This probably doesn't exist anymore, but still. It wouldn't be classy. I know that much. Like I was a hick from Coburg. Oh, like, boy. Were you no, talking I'm not, or something? 
I'm not like winking at anything there. No, I mean, like literally, I do remember we used to go to Peel Pub sometimes, which I don't think okay. exists anymore because it was really cheap. And I was really young and poor. And literally, I just wanted to be in a bar. Like, I didn't care what it was. I just wanted to like order a beer from a server and have them bring it and me be allowed to drink it. Um, man, we're really going down the rabbit hole of random stories today, but. <laughs> Peel Pub is closed. I think it still exists. Yeah, Peel Does Pub it? still exists. Yeah, like, it still exists. This is kind of gross, but I rem- I have a vague memory of them having like a $2 spaghetti dinner or something, like something so cheap. Keep in mind, oh. I'm 40. So those of you that can do those of you who can do the math, this is like literally over a little over 20 years ago we're talking about. But like I remember you could go in there and it it, it felt like you were eating and drinking for free, which again, at that point in my life, I was working at Wendy's in Coburg. So yes. I, I wasn't I wasn't pulling in a huge salary. I was trying to save for university. Um and so doing not it wasn't just going to Montreal, it was like doing it on somewhat of a budget was a priority for me. And that and that's so yeah, I didn't go to any cool bars. Nothing about that was cool, except that I loved being there and I was there with my buddies. And so I spent a ton of time there in the summertime over the years. And uh, it'll be cool to be back in July. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll uh, I don't know. I'll about take Peel you Pub somewhere nicer July. than Peel Pub. You're going to take me somewhere nicer than Peel Pub? You're going to yeah. take me somewhere? And Ooh, I'm buying the tab, be- my man. Okay. All right. Fine. I bought the tab last time. Uh, I'll let you have the one this time. That's fine. That's very fair. Uh, to the Winter Classic that happened mm-hmm. this past weekend. I was actually in the middle of a segue. I was talking about how cold it was outside my window today in Montreal because it was around as cold as it was in Minnesota over the weekend. But there's something I just kind of want to discuss with that because the game itself, uh, the Blues, they did their thing. Uh, they showed up wearing like beach outfits to the game. It was and they awesome. Still won. Look, if you want to get frostbite, my man, that's on you. But like, it's a it state of to, mind, Julian. Yeah, sure. It's a state of enjoy, mind. Enjoy the cold. Uh, but the fact that it was on at the same time as this Leaf Sends game, like, and there's a whole other thing I want to get to with that in a second, too. But isn't that weird to me? Like, that's weird to me. The fact that it's supposed to be uh, the game, the game the NHL is supposed to have on New Year's Day, and then you have it on at the same time as a Battle of Ontario game. Like, I feel like you're kind of segmenting your audience here, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I have a weird take. I just think that the NHL should have made this into something that was unimpeded by anything else. And it kind of loses the specialness of this. I was just curious your your thoughts on the scheduling of it. I don't buy that argument as much. I saw our colleague, the agent provocateur was on about this a little bit on Twitter. Alan Walsh, uh, you know, tweeted something similar, like a similar idea to that. You know, I've been to probably 15 outdoor games in the NHL, give or take. You know, I haven't added it up, but I went to, I was going every year for a number of years to the Winter Classic, but even some of the other stadium series and Heritage Classics and all that. Like to me, they've, they've become less of a TV event. And the beauty of a Winter Classic or even just any outdoor game is it's always fun when you're in the stadium. Yeah. Like if you go back to the origins of this, right? Like in 2009, I was there and they had a Wrigley Field. And so part of it way back then was like, imagine just putting a hockey rink in this famous baseball stadium, what that'll look like. And and so it was a bit of a TV event because people just wanted to see it. You know, then they went to Fenway Park uh, and they've been all sorts of kind of landmarks since. But I think over time, people were like, all right, yeah, we've seen this. You can put a hockey rink anywhere and play a game. The cool part is when you're on the ground, like 100%. It's it's the closest thing to sort of like a college football type of atmosphere 
um, especially on New Year's Day. Like that's there's something amazing. Like they really hit on something with the Winter Classics, in my opinion, because you wake up and it's New Year's Day and you go outside and some of them have been really freaking cold. I remember 2014 in Ann Arbor, Michigan at the big house, 105,000 people. And they did this cool thing, Julian, where they sold half the tickets of the stadium to people buying in Michigan and the other half buying from Ontario, presumably to get the Leafs and Red Wings fans. And like, literally, if you see an overhead shot of the stadium, like one half of the stadium was blue and the other half was red. That's so cool. You know, I can't remember how far Ann Arbor is from Detroit, like how long it should take, but it took like two hours to get there because there's a giant snowstorm and the streets were just packed with everyone going to this game. And like I, I was on a media bus and you're like, we're pulling up to the stadium and there's just people everywhere tailgating. Like it was like, my point is, I don't know how that looked on TV. And, and I remember there were that, that game had a bunch of stoppages because of all the snow they had to you know, clear the ice extra. Like it probably as a TV event might not have been that interesting. Like once you, you probably see the stadium, like that's cool. And then after five minutes, you're like, you know what, this isn't a great TV, but it was a great event in the stadium. And so that's a long way of saying, I don't see a problem with them scheduling head to head with other NHL games, because I do think largely, of course, there's some TV element there, but even the TV partners themselves, like they're not sending their panels as much to the games. I don't right, think like they sent any on on Saturday. No, you're right. Right. So my point is, they're not doing their broadcast. Like they're they're not blowing it up to that degree. And so I th- I think it's just fine to have it be an amazing event in Minnesota. I wasn't at this one, but I have to. You know, it's a full stadium, and it's the coldest one they ever played or recorded. And like I bet people, like people, will remember that the rest of their life. Honestly. Um, like being outside, like if you took your kid or you went with your best friend or whatever and being that cold, like bundling up and like watching a game. I love that there's lots of goals. You know, I've been to some of these where either the ice isn't just good enough for players to make plays or maybe they're so distracted, whatever. Like I find I've been to a lot of these games. It feels like where it's, you know, they're playing for like a three, one score. Um, it was cool to see a bunch of goals in this one. I know Minnesota wasn't happy. They went down big and sort of rallied, but couldn't get all the way back. But Anyway, I, I think it's a really fun event. It, it became popular at a certain point for people to start banging on this and saying it's stupid or whatever. But I'm telling you, I've been to outdoor games everywhere. I was in Regina, Winnipeg, Boston, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, uh, Edmonton, like Toronto, the, even the Centennial Classic. Like, I don't know if any anyone who isn't a fan of the Leafs or whatever might not even remember that game, but they played a, an outdoor game on 2016 January 1st and it was amazing fun uh, and so I love these events but I think they're more for the people on the crowd than those sitting on their couch on TV and so no problems from my end if you're scheduling other things because look it was also Saturday night right yeah like, were, were you not going to give Hockey Night in Canada their their window to show a Canadian game too um, I, I guess but also like you have like I mean any other weekend game like I get it but you also there's two things here there's one, the fact that you have the Winter Classic, which, again, should be the marquee event that you have on New Year's every year. But also, what I'm normally used to seeing is that game being on in the middle of the day where not much else is on to go up. Maybe you go up against a random bowl. In this case, you had that game, which had a lot of goals. And then one of the greatest Rolls Bowls we've seen in quite some time between Ohio State and uh, Utah. That I don't know if you got a bit of that game. That went down to the wire. And I'm like, oh, man, like... I, well, I can imagine if you're trying to get the American audience here, but I think mean, they're always going to go to those bowl games. But man, they went up against a tough, a great bowl game. 
But visibility is so tough with the outdoor games when they're played in the afternoon. Like the, numerous have been delayed to the evening that were meant to be scheduled for the afternoon. And so I true. think, you know, I didn't ask anyone specific to why this one was scheduled for 6 p.m. local uh, in, in Minnesota. But my guess is because we've seen a number of games that were afternoon scheduled outdoors that they had to push it on. Um, you know, one thing I hope they do and, and the business model might not be there for it, but I loved when they were at Lake Tahoe. And that was entirely a TV event, right? I mean, you, you basically couldn't get fans anywhere near that thing. But that was spectacular. <gasps> and so I think it'd be cool if the league just mixed in again, because part of this is just economics. Let's take it to a stadium where 105,000 people can buy beer and, and concessions and whatever. That's that's good for business. Um, just don't do it in the middle of the day where the sun might shine on you a little too hard. Right. Anyway, I didn't have a problem with it. But you and Alan are entitled to your opinions, and I'm sure you're not alone out there. But I... I really do believe these games are for the, the the fans in the stands getting all bundled up and sneaking in maybe something to, to warm themselves up if you know what I'm saying. I get it. I think the people at home should deserve a piece of that pie too. I would love to be able to go to a game one day and, and one big entry point would be for me to watch these games unimpeded from anything else. But well, Did you feel like you had to watch Leaf Senator so badly? No, I did. I, I didn't think about it for me. I only watched. The, I watched the bowl game and the Winter Classic. I thought about it for people who are like Leafs fans, right, or or Sens fans. Like, right. what if they wanted it so much, right? Like the Canadians actually played at one p.m. that day. So I. So even if there was Leaf Sens on, if the Canadians were playing, I would have been like, oh well, that sucks. I'm watching the Canadians go on against this Winter Classic game, but I wasn't as worried as much. I I was actually trying to think of other people, CJ. That's good of you. And and the one bit of your argument I will accept is that if you're, say, a Leafs fan or a Senators fan, that might be the one time you watch the Minnesota Wild play all year other than when they play your team. Like, you know, you might be inclined to watch that game, whereas, you know, like I'm a sicko. I'll just sit there and I'll watch any NHL game that's on uh, that I can, you know, get on my TV. And I, I almost don't care which two teams it is. But, like, I realize yeah. that most people aren't fans to that degree. You know, I don't – for example, I watch the Raptors play the NBA games, I don't, but I don't watch two random NBA teams because I'm just not a big enough fan of the league to care about two random teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you, you could get more exposure for some teams nationally and stuff like that. And as we said, my man Kirill Kaprizov gave him the, gave him the CJ Award for 2021, and he starts 2022 with a bang. So, life's good. Proud of the man. Um, yeah, I should also mention, too, that Leaf Sens game, unless I'm wrong, that's like the first game since those uh, rules and regulations on on capped attendance came in for the uh, the province of Ontario. I don't think any more than I, – I don't know how many people were, were in the arena for, for Leaf Sens. but 989. Of course, I'm not a man. 989. Like, we're under 1,000 people. Uh, and and I, I their previous you- game was like 18,900 uh, against uh, Chicago mid-December. So that they Jeez. so they saw a reduction of eighteen thousand fans in like two and a half three weeks. Um, this is the last thing we'll get to, and then we'll get to some questions from. Are Ask you trying CJ. to get me in trouble here? No, 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 no. Because I, I found I saw... my own trouble on Twitter on New Year's Eve with this. So okay, well, here's the thing: we don't have to go into this if you don't want to, because I understand that uh, you put out a tweet where you're talking about the fact that hey, we need to find a way to put fans in all Canadian arenas ASAP. I understand. If you want to take this and, and, and clarify a few things, this is the vehicle to do it. This, my opinion, personally, like, I, I I wish we could do that. I wish we could have fans in there. But Omicron is is out here. Like, Miss Rona is, is, is doing their thing. And 
I live in a place where there's a curfew. So like, I'm looking at everyone else just kind of like, at least right. you guys get to do the stuff. Right. Uh, so there's a bit of envy. But yeah. The problem like I, is like we're, we're all living this, right? Like we all are. So everybody has opinions on this one way or another because it's like such a predominant, huge thing in our lives. There's a lot of nuance. And obviously there's a lot I don't know, right? Like I can't yeah. pretend to be an expert on what the situation is in Ontario hospitals right now. So I should probably just shut up because some of this is way so far beyond my scope, but it's hard not to be a little bit frustrated two years in, you know, I got vaxxed as absolutely soon as I possibly could under the rules and by, by my age range here, I'm actually getting my booster tomorrow, which is exciting. And, you know, I'm not an anti-masker. I'm not an anti-vasker. It's not vaxxer. It's nothing like that. It's just at a certain point, I feel like we kind of have to, let people live their lives a little bit more like we done all these rolling lockdowns here and we still ended up in this place. Right. Like at a certain point, where's the carrot? But look, this is, this is where, if you want to attack me, you're going to say, but yeah, CJ, people are dying and there's not enough beds and all that. And, and maybe that's the case. There aren't enough beds. Like it's, it's a weird situation. And right so now. like, look at, I do. I do get it. It's just you see each like this isn't that big of a continent, relatively speaking. And all over this continent, depending on what region you live in, it's like completely different rules. And so like, it's hard not to feel a little bit frustrated. Again, two years into this thing, got vaxxed, followed every rule, wear my mask. And it's like you're saying you can't have anyone at a game like like, how is it fine to have 18,000 people at a game on, like, December 11th or whenever that game was? And then it's got to be 900. Like, I, you know, let's face it. I got COVID fatigue, and I know I'm not alone. And, look, I don't have any kids of my own. And and I know that, you know, just because I have some friends, good friends with kids, you know, my sister's got kids. Like, I, I understand for them, like, the only thing that really matters is can we create circumstances where kids can go to school? And in Ontario, it looks like right now kids are not going to now be able to go to school again, which, you know, it's way more important than whether me or someone else gets to go sit in an arena and watch an NHL game. But I just, I guess I, I kind of feel like there's no plan and it's all just reactionary and I've lost, I mean, I didn't have much faith in the Ontario provincial government anyway, but I've lost any bit of faith in them since this, this has started. And, and maybe they were in a position where they couldn't win just cause this is literally a one in 100 year pandemic and there was no perfect way to handle this. But like this is an airborne virus proven to have like virtually zero spread outdoors. And these guys closed golf courses at one point for like a two months. Like, yeah. I just feel like logic hasn't always been there. And I also, here's a, this is a thing and there's no way to quantify this. So this is going to be an argument. Like I've always said, I'm a very social person, Julian. You and are very at, social. Yes. But at a certain point, like when does mental health come into it too? Like there's a physical health element, but then there's the mental health element. And if you tell me I got to stay in my apartment forever, like I'm going to die from the inside that way. Like, um, and I'm not trying to be trite here. Like, honestly, I realize there's people listening that probably have had serious effects from COVID or know someone perhaps that, that's died, you know, like I'm not, not trying to be insensitive to this time. I'm just saying that it's not, is it's not as black and white as, everyone on Twitter wants to make it where it's either this way or that way. Like I, ju I just think that we have to be considerate of like how many days do we have on this planet, man? 
like even if you live 80 years or whatever the life expectancy is and have like a great life like it's still when i know you're younger so you might not think of it this way but like it's not a lot of days and i just don't want to see us like waste another year where we can't do anything for you know for what i i anyway i'm probably said too much because i i recognize this is not a perfectly formed argument and and really what it comes down to is i just think we might have to live with a bit more risk that that's that's really kind of my view on it and and i'm not telling you what to do like if you don't want to go to an nhl game by all means don't go if you if you don't still want to dine in a restaurant you just want to get takeout or make all your own meals that's great but you know some of us still want to do some some things and again wear masks wash my hands watch what i'm doing if i have any symptoms i don't go out in public you know like i'm not saying we should all go bananas here but i i think the restrictions the 10th round of restrictions is getting like a little bit old when you have a populate like that's the other thing our population compared to the world like we have a a huge number of vaccination percentage like i know there are anti-vaxxers out there but there's not that many. Like we've been a pretty compliant population and obviously very fortunate to live in a spot in the world where you can get vaccinated. Yeah. But, compared to a lot of other countries that a lot of places don't even have their first doses or people just don't have access to that. That's something we also have to be mindful of as well. I just feel like uh, a lot of people have done what they've been asked to do and we're still I, back yeah. where we started. And it's just like, all right, like what the that hell? is for sure. I think regardless of whether in Ontario or whether in Quebec or in so many other parts of the world, I think that's I don't think that's a dispute at all. Like, I think a lot of people have just felt over the last little while that they've done as much as they can do. And it we all thought it was going to be over or at the very least we'd be in the endemic. But it does feel like we've gotten back. To also, square one. Uh, uh, like, again, a little bit beyond my depth of scope here. This doesn't count as NHL insider info, but come on, like this. Do you know anyone who's been that sick with Omicron? Uh, I may like, or may not have it. I don't know. Everything I've, I've read, though, is like, like it's way days. like it's obviously way more transmissible, but it's like it's nowhere near <coughs> as dangerous. And and you know, obviously, a big part of that is because we are vaccinated. You so, gotta remember, like you can still spread it, my guy. You can still get it. You can still get it to a point where I could be because I'm double vaxxed whether it's Omicron I had or a bad flu, like I'm just in bed. I could have easily been in a position where I could have just been in a hospital bed taken up uh, and, and, and just further damaging the Quebec hospital system as it is, or right. possibly walking around and infecting somebody with underlying conditions and making it worse for them. We kind of have to remember here that with all of our own personal freedoms, there's a lot of stuff that we want to do like go out and be social. I'm social just like you, my man. Like I want to be out with my friends all the time. I want to be able to go to bars and stuff. I want to do all this stuff. But like one thing I'm realizing over this last, like how many months we've gone through this, like the the measures that are in there, I don't agree with all of them. I, I think the curfew is a stupid idea, but a lot of these measures are in there to protect everyone else, not just you. Isn't it? Right. We have to think about it from a standpoint where it's not just you. It's not everything just about you or me or just individuals. It's about protecting other people. It's about thinking sure. of other people. That's what has to be considered in all of this. It sucks. And I think honestly, though, like part of this again. is just me acknowledging, like I've just really struggled for periods during this, like personally. Like that's okay. Like, that's acknowledged too. No, but like so, like that's partially where I arrive at this point. It's not. It's not even that I'm just being selfish. Like I realize it could sound that way. 
but it it's like i'm crying out for help because it's it's like honestly like i hate doing our job during this like it sucks man it does yeah it's and like i and i like i'm so lucky i haven't had to work a freaking day in my life like i'm sitting before you like the luckiest guy on earth and i recognize that and so like me complaining about my job like it's really friggin' rich but like not being in contact with people not being able to have conversations like such a huge part of the job is social again and like i feel so withdrawn from the league and the players like i I feel like there's not a nearly as much good work being done just because the conditions don't allow for it i don't just mean by myself i mean by everyone like it's it's just a really hard time like remember paul maurice mentioned you know when he he stepped down from the jets about like how hard that season was with no fans like he's like you remember he said something and like you look around you're like what's the point like that's I've had some of those same feelings myself and literally like I've lived my dream every day since I was 18. Like I've wanted to do this my whole life, but there's just like a lot of days where I'm like, what are we even doing here? Um, and so it's been hard. Right. And, and so that's where this is coming from. It's not me saying, I think I'm better than everyone else and you should suffer or your grandma should suffer. And I, so I can go to a hockey game. It's just, I think we, we, at this point, this friggin' deep into this thing, I think we need better messaging. We need a clearer plan from the governments. I think we we need some idea, a roadmap of how this is going to play out. Not like, hey, in three weeks, your whole life might be turned upside down yet again. And I, imagine being a business owner in this. Like people yeah, have gotten royally screwed in Ontario. Like I, I don't know how in it's Quebec all gone. Too. Like I can't speak to the whole country because I don't know everything. But like there was certain big corporations in this province that were allowed to stay open the whole time and keep their bottom lines going. And so many sort of mom and pop type of smaller restaurants or, or hardware stores, what have you like, weren't allowed to stay open. Like it was insane the way big business controlled the decisions that were made at the start in Ontario. And like, just, I don't know where we're going. Like I, there's all these talk of new measures right now today. And so like, I'm not sure what's coming down, but if they do that again, like it's just, it's brutal. Like I live in the middle of a vibrant city and you walk around now and you can't believe how many businesses went out of business. Like it's crazy. <laughs> the impacts of this thing. Like I, we're going to have to study this for like the next 10 years after it's over to figure out all everything that happened. Cause it's been so wild. And so, um, Yeah. It's a long way of saying this has been hard, brother. Yeah, dude, I, I wish I could give you a hug right now. I'm all good. Like, I don't want to say I just, I'm just speaking from my heart, though. Like, I'm just being honest about. Yeah, that's why I want to give you a hug. Where that tweet came from, I feel you know? bad for you. Like, I sent that one tweet and it's like 700,000 impressions and it's a lot of people yelling at me. And that's fine. Like, I just, you know, I, I'm trying to be constructive, too. But I know I'm not the only one out there sitting, sitting going like, come on. So all of a sudden now you, you're telling people they can't go do one thing they like for themselves. Um, seems nuts to me. Yeah. Uh, just as a last final thing to put a bow on the topic before we just get to a small handful of questions on Ask CJ. Uh, just continue to be safe out here. We're, we're, good. we're in the fight together. Let's just try to just keep our heads above water and try to be as positive as we can. I understand things are really hard for a lot of people. You're right. Just kind of going through all of this and, and kind of being at what feels like square one does kind of suck, but we've, we have vaccines, we have boosters. You're fortunate to be in a position where you're able to get your booster. I, I don't think I'm able to even book an appointment till the end of the month. Like I, I can't wait until I have that opportunity myself. I earn these gray hairs uh, in the beard, brother. Clearly. They, yeah. They, they come with yeah. some entrance fees. I get I get into the booster club a little sooner. 
Seriously. Yeah. Jeez. Um, but all that to say, uh, we will get through this and I'm still pretty optimistic that, uh, things will get better with that. And with that, let's go on to our first ask CJ of 2022, where, uh, we, uh, I'm going to try to keep these as uh, COVID free as possible because I think we, uh, expanded on our, our COVID quota for, uh, oh, today's edition. Every time CJ we're like, let's show. not talk about COVID. Then we just go into a 20 minute unplanned discussion about, it. Thing about COVID. All right. This um, wasn't, that wasn't on the list you sent for the show lineup. That was, that no. was just freestyling. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. I think people appreciate you being genuine and honest. Uh, here's this question from uh, Marcus Taylor. If you had to list the top two trade targets for the Toronto Maple Leafs, who would they be? I love you, Marcus. I don't know. Uh, you know, I I fully expect them to make some move before March 21st to address their blue line. But I'd just be naming names of defensemen that I think will be moved before March 21st. I, I don't have any specific knowledge of who they're zeroing in on or, or zeroed in on. I mean, a big de- def- defenseman name that will go at the trade deadline is probably Ben Sherrod from Montreal. Uh, plays a certain style. I think you could make a case that something like that could maybe work for the Leafs, but uh, I'm not I'm not in a position yet to give you specifics. So to be clear, I'm not saying the Leafs are after Ben Sherrod. I'm just saying that's a name of a defenseman that will move. There's not going to be that many. You know, what'll be interesting is what happens in Anaheim, right? It, you know, because they have a, a couple pending unrestricted free agents, Josh Manson, Hampus Lindholm, I believe Ricard Raquel as well as a forward. But, you know, because they've had such a great season, you know, what I would have guessed they would be doing come March 21st might not end up being what they're, they're doing. And so, you know, be, be curious to see how that shakes out over the next couple of months in Anaheim. But, you know, really, because I know people love the trade talk, Julian, I don't get the feeling the trade market's that formed yet. I mean, obviously we can identify a few players that are likely to move just because their contract status and they're on organizations going nowhere. Like Phil Kessel probably isn't finishing the season as a member of the Arizona Coyotes. I'd be very surprised if he did as an example. Would the Leafs um, bring him back? I'm kidding. <laughs> it's not what they need, and I think that ship has sailed. It's 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 too two pronged answer. Um, yeah. So my point is, like, we can identify a few players that are going to probably be moved, but I don't get the sense that all the dance partners have lined up just yet. You know, a lot of teams haven't played many games, right? Like, there's a number of teams that are at about 30 games. I think the Bruins might be at 28 games. Um, even though we're later in the calendar year and we're used to this being a time there's more trade chatter. I mean, the, the deadline itself is a month later, but also just a lot of teams I still don't think know what they are. And so this is going to be a different trading period than, than normal. Uh, best bottle of wine, James Myrtle. I haven't met a bottle or too many bottles of wine I don't like. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Um, you know, I, I tend to drink California wines a fair bit. I've been to Napa a couple times and actually had a really, one of my most memorable, the one thing I haven't been good at, Julian, I've traveled a ton for work, like a ton. Yes. Like yes. a crazy amount, like something like 3000 nights in a Marriott in my life or something. It's a little less than that, but it's 2000 something. But I was never, you know, cause I was always really committed to the work. I never had as much, like I didn't take advantage of that probably to the degree most people would in terms of like, going to a museum or just like squeezing in time to do something touristy local. Uh, and also I was traveling constantly. So like in a weird way, your mental capacity to plan ahead or do that is, is limited. But one of my favorite times on, on the road, uh, 
with Sean McKenzie and Paul Romanuk, who was uh, calling Leafs games at the time for Sportsnet, we went to Ridge Winery, uh, which is just a little bit outside of San Jose, like up a mountain. And it was one of the coolest days. Like the pictures I have from that, like are ridiculous. Like it's, it was awesome up there. And the wine is amazing. And I actually had some Ridge the other night. And, and this is what I like about wine is I, it can connect you to memories like that. Like, I, I just feel like there's something kind of magical about wine. Um, and, and I was thinking of that time that I went up there with Sean and, and Paul and, and that was all Sean's doing. So thank you, Sean. Cause Sean was a very good social convener. Like he would be looking ahead, like, Hey, in three weeks, we're going to be in Nashville. Like let's this, I've heard about this cool restaurant. Let's do this. And so he, he, he got me out of my just normal routines in each city. Um, and so that was awesome. So I'll say Ridge, anything you can get from Ridge, James Myrtle, that will, uh, that will treat you well. It's, it's a, it's a good bottle. Uh, no matter what, which of the, the grapes you choose. Thank you for the question, James. Fan of the show. Seems like a nice young fellow. Uh, Red Shark Pack on Discord. Do you know what a team, do you know when a team is providing false information that they want to be leaked? <clears throat> I don't think teams do it that much, actually. Really? Look at a lot of people in this industry bullshit. And, you know, like a huge part of my job is bullshitting. If I'm being honest, it's phoning people and having conversations. I'm not saying I'm making stuff up and they're making stuff up, but it's my point is it's like conversations. It's just, you know, like catching up on what you think, what you're seeing, what you're hearing. And so like, I think sometimes broken telephone comes into play when false information gets out there, but I don't know too many times when someone is like specifically lied to me intentionally to get something out you know, for some purpose. Like I, I think of course that's probably happened over time, but I think it's, it happens way less than what you think. I think more often than not, you know, it's just a game of you tell me this thing. And then I tell it to Arpen Basu and then Arpen tells it to someone. And then like just somewhere along the line, like it's, it's like a half truth or it's a three quarters of the truth, but maybe not the right context. Like, I think that's what happens more than direct misinformation being spread. So you tell Arpin Basu before you tell me. Is that what you're saying? No, you told me, and then I pass it on to Arpin. Okay, I misunderstood the first part. Then Arpin phones just... James Myrtle, and he's like, "Get a bottle of Ridge wine, and here's this thing that I've heard." And then, <laughs> J- and then James goes on his podcast, and he tells the three quarter truth instead of the full truth, just because wow. what he's heard is that's not a shot. I'm explaining broken, how it works. Broken telephone. <laughs> I'm explaining how it works. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just messing around. Uh, last question for you here from Bootmaster Ben off of Discord. By the way, if you want to join the SDPN Discord, go to sdpn.ca. Uh, you're able to click on the link through there. It is a fun, chaotic time, and you'll sometimes come across questions like the following. Do you think Jordan Bennington would really show up to the beach in a $1,300 Versace shirt. Follow up. Would you show up to the beach in a $1,300 Versace, Versace shirt? I don't know why I said Versace. I'm not Kanye West. It's Versace. I, I think Jordan, first of all, Jordan Bennington has a kind of paycheck where he could show up to the beach in a $1,300 shirt. And I think he's got a bit of swag to him. So I, I actually do think he would show up to the beach in that shirt. Now, as for me, there's no chance of that happening. <laughs> Because if I got thirteen hundred bucks, I'm buying Bitcoin. Yes. Or I'm taking my buddy Julian out to something nicer than the Peel Pub. Uh-uh, or, let's go. Or I'm buying James Myrtle a nice bottle of Ridge wine and saying Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. But I, other than 
maybe a suit at some point. I don't think I've ever spent anywhere near $1,300 on a piece of clothing. Like I, I can't even imagine, honestly, and I'm not cheap, but just like, I'm not, I'm not in that, I'm not in that tax bracket. Tax you bracket. know what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah. and look at if, if you're someone who likes to do that, by all means go to town. But I, uh, I like to put my financial capital in other places. So no, I would, the odds of you, me ever being in that shirt are between slim and none, but you know what? Live your best life. Maybe Bitcoin will go to the moon and $1,300 shirts won't seem like such a big expense for me. So maybe one day I'll get there, but I'm, I'm nowhere near there today. I'm, I'm debating between tiling this episode, $1,300 Versace shirt or TSN group chat. We'll figure that out as uh, this concludes the uh, first 2022 edition of the CJ show. We got through it. We got honest. We got raw. We Thanks for playing hurt today, place. bud. I appreciate it. I know you're you're not feeling the best, but you 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 brought your A game still. This is actually good for me because this is a lot better than staying in my room and asking my sisters for food every few hours. Because that's not nearly as fun as doing a show with you uh, and actually getting out of my room and uh, going straight to the office while also you know just staying in the house and not trying to go out anywhere, just staying in isolation. Uh, thank you to everybody who sent us questions for Ask CJ. Uh, thank you to everyone who continues to listen to the show. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We will be back on Thursday with a brand spanking new episode. Stick taps the whole nine yards. We'll see what else happens in the NHL world to between now and Thursday that we'll end up talking about. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. peace. Happy New Year. The Chris Johnson Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK and McKenzie.